Well, how about leaving? No, you didn't take your phone. You didn't take your money. You didn't take an extra coat. You didn't take anything, and you're going to a strange place. The stress levels were high, so they were exhausted. So they all gather back around Jesus, and they start telling their stories. They're excited. They're sharing their faith. Jesus is proud of them. And he says, you know, guys, you know what we need? We need a break. We need a little vacation. We need a little R&R. We need to get away. And you know what? Let's go by the beach. Everybody wants a vacation by the beach, right? Let's get in the boat. We're going to go to the other side of the lake. We're going to hang out by the beach. We're going to be by ourselves. We're going to enjoy some R&R together. Doesn't that sound great? They love being with Jesus. Jesus was great. So they go away from this madhouse. You know, people are coming and going. They didn't have time to eat. But what happens? The paparazzi are there, right? Right? They follow them. And not just a few, but thousands of people. Somehow the word gets out so that thousands of people are waiting for them when they show up at their vacation spot. How would that be? It's your honeymoon, right? And you want to go to Hawaii. And you know what? The whole church decides to visit you there. Would that be awesome or what? I don't think so. Bro, 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 bro. Let's get together. Let's have coffee tomorrow morning. Really early prayer time, like 5 a.m. Is that cool? No, that's not cool. Who are you? Right? So this vacation, I mean, from a really stressful time, from a real challenging time, successful time, time that they're excited about, turns into vacation, turns into what? Work. Let me open it up. That's you. How are you feeling right now? How are you feeling? You get there, you have an expectation, that expectation is totally crushed. How do you feel? What? Crabby. Tom, you don't get crabby. Oh, Edda says, yeah, he gets crabby. Okay, crabby. All right. That's, uh, you know, not a word we use as much in this generation, but okay, I got that. All right, so <laughs> what, what, are you, what else are you feeling? How are you feeling, Sean? Overwhelmed. Why are you overwhelmed? Yeah, like, does this ever end? I mean, this Jesus thing, doesn't it ever end? Right? You ever thought that? How else? How Really, guys, how are you feeling? You ever been there? Yes. Exhausted and disappointed. Who are you disappointed in, maybe? Maybe a little Jesus, right? Like, why, why doesn't he just... Send them away. I mean, Jesus goes right back into teaching mode here. He's like, he's not like hideout mode. Jesus has hidden out too, right? There were a couple times they wanted to stone him and Jesus slipped through the crowd and hid out. Jesus knows how to slip through a crowd. He, go, he starts teaching so they might be a little disappointed in Jesus. Like, come on, Jesus. Jesus, come on. Right? <laughs> that sounds bad. Right? Good, thank you. What else? What else might you be feeling? Frustrated? Why are you frustrated? Who said that? 
Someone now put their head down, and I'm looking at people, and they're looking. I heard frustrated. Don't get me frustrated. <laughs> All right, we'll move on. All those emotions are fairly similar, right? Is anybody fired up? Really? I mean, really, guys. Are you, are you getting there and you're fired up? Yes. Been working my tail off. Finally time for a vacation. And this is it. This is awesome, Jesus. I don't think so, right? I don't think so. I don't think anybody is feeling that. Jesus starts teaching. This is kind of funny when you look at it. Jesus starts teaching. It says uh, in verse 34, When Jesus landed, saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Now, the scripture could end, it could have said, so Jesus began teaching them, right? Yeah. Stay with me. You with me? Yeah. But it doesn't say that. It says he began teaching them what? Many things, many things right? You know what that kind of <laughs> brings to mind? Have you ever heard a sermon that just seemed to go on and on and on? Not this one now. <laughs> Not yet, anyway. You ever been there? Like, again, I mean, we got it, right? And it's going on. And we thought we were going to end on a certain time. And did we end on that time? No, it just, it just kept going on and on. And I imagine maybe some of the disciples were going, do we really need to teach the Beatitudes again, Jesus? I mean, do we really need to hear the parable of the sower again, Jesus? You ever have a bad attitude sometimes about hearing a sermon that goes on and on, do you? Tell the truth. Don't, you go to hell for lying, guys. Tell the truth. Every one of us have, right? It says that Jesus began teaching them many things. I think maybe some of the disciples might have even been a little bit bad-hearted about the sermon that was going on. Like, when? When's he going to end? It says here in an interesting way in verse 35, it says, By this time it was late in the day, so disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Now, I just read that in a very monotone way, but I don't think that's the way things were said. Because have you ever been in a situation or a position where something was going on and on and you finally just blurt out, you know, enough, guys. Okay, we got it. This is a remote place, Jesus. Can't you just send them away? Can you see that happening? I totally can. Because Jesus responded in a very firm way to the unnamed disciple that actually said this. Right? I, uh... Who was that? It was Jose this morning that was talking about driving, right? And frustrations with driving. One of my sermons is not complete without me talking about driving and my frustrations with driving. I remember my wife is actually in the Florida Keys right now because she did a race. And I was texting with her earlier. I won't tell you what we were texting because it was pretty funny. Anyway, uh, so she's in the Florida Keys. She's in Key West. And, and we were going to the Keys once on a, on a trip. And uh, ever anybody been to the Keys? Raise your hand, been to the Keys? Gosh, you need to go. It's spectacular. <laughs> Cole, you been to the Keys? Okay, I don't remember if we took you or not. So, okay, maybe we did. 
so there's like, I mean, it's like hundreds of miles of, of these islands that end in Key West. But there's one road, there's one lane this way, and there's one lane that way. You with me so far? So what happens when you get like a real old person in front of you in that one lane? Oh my gosh. Now maybe, this was 20 years ago, so maybe that person was my age now, but it seemed like a really old person in front of me at the time. And I remember all the frustrations I felt, and finally I just kind of let it out. You know, Connie's in the seat with me, and I'm like, come on! And she's like, I don't think they can hear you, honey. I'm like, you know, it just like boils and boils, and then it just lets out. You kind of get the sense that's what happened here. It's bubbling and boiling, and, and finally the disciple goes, Jesus! We're in a remote place, dude. Come on. Send them away. They need to eat something. And remember, this was supposed to be our vacation time, right? Guys, try to work on a vacation you planned with your wife. You're going to hear that. (laughs) What does Jesus say? He says, honey, I didn't notice you were tired. I I get it. You've spent yourself serving the poor. And you've been gone for weeks without money and food. You're tired, right? Oh, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't realize that. Is that what he said? He didn't say that, did he? Now... If your wife challenges you on vacation, let me recommend you saying that. Okay? But Jesus did not. What did Jesus say? You know what? You give them something to eat. Right? Search for the real Jesus. You know what? Sometimes... Stay with me now. Sometimes, when you've already given your all for Jesus, sometimes when you have spent yourself for spiritual things, for the church, for your brothers and sisters, for the lost, sometimes when you have poured out all that you feel you have, Jesus says, that's not enough. I know, that kind of stinks, right? Like, come on, Rob, it's supposed to be an encouraging message. I know, but that's not what it says. Sometimes, Jesus wants more from us. Sometimes He does. Now, don't take this the wrong way. Not all the time, right? Not all the time. But sometimes He does. Sometimes He says, because He knows... That you and I need to grow. We need to transform. And the only way we can grow and the only way we can transform is to be under stress for a short period of time, guys. Because when we're under stress, physically, our body grows physically. Now, if we're under too much stress physically, what happens? Physical therapist, chiropractors, Joe, what happens? Too much stress to our body, what happens? Begins to break down, right? But how do our muscles grow? They grow with stress and rest. Rest after stress. You know, we should feel this from time to time in our relationship with Jesus. You guys with me on that? 
Is that making sense? Encouraged by the message? Challenged by it a little bit, I hope? See, in, in, in business, physically, mentally, and yes, spiritually, like, like this, this is our comfort zone, right? And like this, over here, like is where all the magic happens in your life, right? So you can stay in your comfort zone, right? But do you get any magic? You know, you really don't. If they stayed in their comfort zone, would they see 5,000 men fed? And by the way, 5,000 men? You know, look, I'm like a man in my household, but there are like four others in my household. And, you know, when they were younger, they were children and a wife. So it's like there were thousands and thousands of people here. Would they have seen this exceptional miracle if they stayed over here? They wouldn't have. You know... When Jesus was there physically, I mean, he could, he could lead them and challenge them. But he's not here physically except his body, the church. And his body, the church, as well as the spirit that he gave us, John 14, 26. He gave us the spirit to remind us of everything that he taught us. The spirit challenges me. The spirit challenges you. Step out of your comfort zone, Rob. Because I got some magic for you over here. I know you're stressed. I know it's difficult. I know it's challenging. But you're never going to experience this if you stay over here. You guys with me there? Do you get that? Whose good was this for? Yes, it was for the thousands of people that were served. Certainly. But ultimately, whose good was it? It was for their good that Jesus pushed them a little bit more. Our spiritual muscles grow under stress. You know, a few months back, I, uh, I was tired of, like, setting a goal every year to be a certain weight and not achieving it. You ever been there? Like, I, like, like this is a journal that I use, and, like, I got, I got my, you know, faith goals and different things. This is actually all the way from 2011. I kind of switched back and forth to different journals, and I found one, like, from 2004, and it had all these goals on it, and I'm like, dang. I mean, it's 11 years ago, and I still haven't achieved any of these things. You ever been like, wow, come on. I hear all these stories about people write their goals down, and they're like, ooh, it miraculously happened. I wrote mine down, and I'm looking back from 10 years ago. I said, you know what, I'm going to hire somebody. Maybe he'll kick my butt and help me. And I did. And, you know, I mean, it really helped to, to transform me. But, you know, there's, there's this one exercise that no one really likes to do in, like, fitness. Anybody want to guess at what that is? Plenty of exercises, evidently. I heard like six different things. Awesome. We're all different. So there are many things that we hate about exercising. I get that. Well, for me, it's squats, right? Squats. Anybody else feel that way about squats? Oh, they're dreadful. Someone raised both hands over there. Thank you very much. I didn't realize this. I know you're stretching. I'm just messing with you, dude. You know, squats are one of the best exercises, whole body exercises for your core, not just your legs. And of course, your legs are a big percentage of your body, right? But squats also like help to raise your testosterone levels and HGH levels. And I mean, it's a really good exercise, but I hate it. I didn't want to do it. You know what he told me we're going to do? We're going to squat three times a week. 
I was like, what? That can't be good for you. And some of you fitness trainers might say, it's not good for you. Three times a week. You know, the first couple times I did it, it was like horrible. I'm like, why do I live in this house with stairs? This is terrible. I need a one-story house, and I need a chair to take me from the couch to my car. I hated walking, hated getting up the stairs. I mean, it was awful. You know, we squat three times a week now. Not every, every time, but we squat three times a week now. I almost never get sore. And my squats keep growing. It's like, wow, this is like amazing when you put your body under stress and you give it rest and you feed it and you do the right things. Like there's growth involved. So the question is, are we, are we accepting the spiritual stress that the Holy Spirit is trying to put on us to take us out of our comfort zone in certain areas? Are we embracing it? I don't know what it is for you. You know, it's different for all of us. It changes. Uh, hold your finger there for just a second and look with me to uh, Luke chapter 17. This is challenging, but worth looking at. Luke 17, verse 7. Jesus says, Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Plowing sounds exhausting to me. Anybody plow for a living? I probably wouldn't recommend it. Sounds tiring. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down, have something to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready, wait on me while I eat and drink, and after that you may eat and drink? Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything, you were told to do should say, we are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. It's challenging, isn't it? Now, if that's all you knew about Jesus, you might not like him very much, right? Let's be honest. But we, guys, we know a lot more about Jesus than this. But have we forgotten this? Have we put it aside? Because, you know, as we get older, as we're around longer, for me, easier to do the things I really love doing and enjoy doing, and maybe the things that are a little bit more stressful and a little bit more difficult to kind of put them to the side. I was thinking about this for me. And, you know, I love to read the Bible and pray. I just love to do it. Um, I wake up, like I have my own business, but like people take care of a lot of things in my company and, and thank God it's going well and Lord willing, it'll continue to go well, right? Uh, but I still wake, wake up with stress. You ever do that? You ever wake up, you know, with a little pit in your stomach? You ever get that? Am I the only guy who has any stress? And so prayer, like, and, and reading my Bible, that like for me is like, Oh, I, it's just, you know what I mean? It's like gone. It's like, it's like I gave it to God. I, it, it just happens. It just happens, right? I mean, I love that part. No one has to stress me out to read my Bible or pray. Now, that's me. That may be different with you because maybe you have to be at work at 5 a.m. And so you're already stressed. I don't know. I'm just talking for me now for a second. 
Repenting of sin, eh, not as fun, right? But I like it because I don't want to be in sin. And so repenting of sin and, you know, asking for forgiveness when I blow it. You know, I've been a Christian 26 years. I kind of, you know, kind of got it down, right? For me, you know, it seems like the challenging things always have to do with other people. You know what I mean? Like if it were just me and the Lord, that's pretty cool, right? It's when you guys get involved. You ever been there? So reaching out, studying the Bible with people, forgiving people for how they've hurt me, how they've sinned against me, because that happens. Those are some areas that they're... Like, those are stressful areas for me. I mean, I remember a time in my own Christianity when, you know, three days, two days didn't go by that I wasn't involved in a Bible study with someone helping someone become a Christian. Just, and now, you know, weeks go by, months go by. There's no stress. My, those muscles are flabby. Those muscles have atrophied for me. Um... There's no growth there. I've reverted. I used to have a max bench press and now uh, nothing. You with me there? I don't know what it is for you. This is me. This is my sin. But that's not what Jesus wants. And it's not, well, you know, I had, Jesus, don't forget, I was just, you know, I was out there cranking, Jesus. I mean, I had no money. I had no belt. I had no food. I was staying in some guy's house. He had bad B.O. I mean, you don't know what I did, Jesus. I worked really hard. You know, you can't keep pointing to the past. Jesus said, forget the past. We're here right now. That's what he says. I can't say all that. This is me. I can't say, well, Jesus, remember all these sacrifices I made? Remember these times I, were, I was away from my family? And remember these things that I did? You know, there are things in my life that I, um, in a, in a, I hope in a positive way I'm proud of. Like that I do more now than I've ever done. But not in this area. Not in this area. I'm way behind. And... And I need to repent because that's not right for me. So you need to decide, figure out what it is for you. Where have you stayed in your comfort zone and you have denied the magic from happening? What is that for you? Where is that? So I'm repenting. I hope you will join me in repenting as well. Let's kind of, let's sum this baby up. Let's finish it. Let's go back to Mark chapter 6. And let's end with one more thought here since we got five minutes left. So you get the whole real Jesus thing there, right? Do I have to make it any more clear? Like Jesus calls us to sometimes go out of our comfort zone and take one more step than you think you need to. You got that? Everybody with me there? All right. This is different. I'm going to end with this. This is totally different. Okay? You got the point. Now I'm going to say something different. You get that? This is different. Got it, Freddie? So, Jesus challenges them. You give them something to eat. They're like, that would take half a year's wages to give them all a bite of bread. Jesus already knew what he was going to do. We see that in John. 
parallel passage, John, he already knew what he was going to do. He does this exceptional miracle. He says, go find me, go find me some food. They don't do much of a search. I'm telling you, if there are 5,000 people, some of them got food. They find one kid's lunch, right? Two fish, five loaves. They don't search very hard. That's how bad their attitude was. You with me there? Right? They're like, they go to the front row. What do you got? Give me your money. Okay. We got three bucks over here. It's all the money we got, Jesus. Right? They didn't really look for a contribution. What does Jesus do? This is awesome. Verse 39, he directs them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. They sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. This is such an awesome visual. He gave thanks and he broke the loaves. This has always struck me. Jesus takes this nothing, this nothing, it was nothing. For 5,000 men, it was nothing. If I gave my kids two fish and five loaves for lunch after church, they'd be like, what's up with you? It was nothing, right? Jesus takes it and sincerely looks up to heaven and says, thank you. Thank you, God. You know, if we're not really grateful for the stuff we have in our lives that's messed up, it'll never grow. It won't grow. Lord, I need a new job. This one sucks. I hate it. If you don't get grateful, I don't know that it'll ever grow. You know, um, I was doing a little bit of research on this. It's really cool. And uh, there have been studies more recently done at Berkeley, Columbia, UNC, all over the country on gratitude and what like, like true gratitude really does like transform us at like a cellular level when you're grateful, like really grateful. Not because you have more. In fact, there's this contrary thing between materialism and gratitude. You know the most grateful country on earth? Good old U.S. of A., right? No. No. The happiest and most grateful people? South Africa? Philippines? I don't know where we stand, this country stands, on that scale, but we weren't in the top ten. Materialism and gratitude sometimes are, doesn't have to be, but sometimes are on opposite ends of the scale. So what happens when you're grateful? Listen to this. Grateful people on average give 20% more. And this is not a church thing. Just give, serve, help. 20% more. Community, charity. So psychologically, gratitude is related to age. You're, you uh, overall will add seven years to your life if you live a grateful life. Grateful people have a better bond with the community. Grateful people have 10% fewer stress-related illnesses in their life. They have 12% lower blood pressure. It has nothing to do with genetics if they're grateful. Grateful people earn roughly 7% more than ungrateful people. There's a reason to be grateful. Make more money. Make more dough. Grateful people have more satisfying relationships. Grateful teenagers have 13% fewer fights. That's good. 20% more likely to get good grades. 
And they're 10 times less likely to start smoking if they're grateful. 10 times. Gratitude's pretty awesome. You know, Jesus, before Berkeley was ever invented, he kind of figured it all out, didn't he? Isn't he smart? A class of students was asked to identify the seven wonders of the world. With some minor disagreement, the following received the most attention. Egypt's pyramids, the Taj Mahal, the Grand Canyon, the Panama Canal, the Empire State Building, St. Peter's Basilica, and the Great Wall of China. This was done in 2006. However, there was one student who did not complete the assignment in time. The teacher approached her. She stated that she was having difficulty with the assignment because there was so much to be grateful for, she could not decide upon it easily. Upon further inquiry, the student maintained that the seven wonders of the world to her were being able to see, to hear, to touch, to taste, to feel, to laugh, and to love. We have a lot to be grateful for. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks so much. I pray this has been helpful for you. Have an awesome day.